Welcome back into the Johnny's Pizza House studios. This is Mixing Up with Minson Moody on 100.7 FM, 1340 AM. This is The Ticket. Bojack's Craft House Hour rolling on, and we're going to turn to the Paul McMurray State Farm Insurance Hotline right now and welcome in Alex Fast, a pitcher list. Alex, we appreciate you taking some time on this Friday afternoon to talk some Major League Baseball with us, buddy. Yeah, man. Hey, you can't keep me away. I had so much fun last week, and uh, you guys decided to be crazy enough to let me back, so I had to jump at the opportunity. Well, I'll tell you what. Our listeners love the stuff you did for us last week. Obviously, what you guys are doing over there at uh, Pitcher List is just next level. I wake up every single morning now, and I head over to PitcherList.com to make myself not only a better baseball fan, but most importantly, a better fantasy baseball player. And I uh, just could not thank you guys enough for the work that you're doing over there. Oh man, we appreciate that, and we we really we 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 live off comments like that. Nick, who's the founder of PitcherList, uh, we have a, a Patreon, and every dollar that we get, we put right back into that site. And uh, <clears throat> excuse me, if, if you don't believe me, you should have seen us two years ago when we were much smaller. We just started getting an influx of people, and and we put that money right back in, and we're it, it really makes us happy to hear comments like that. So we appreciate it. Well, I can tell you this: it's growing as fast as any other news outlet as far as baseball is concerned around the country. It really is great content, and I because I follow everything, I check everybody's stuff out, and I think the stuff you guys are doing truly is next level. And if you want to follow Alex on Twitter, you can find him at AlexFast8. Well, Alex, let's go ahead and jump into it right here, and I want to start with a couple guys that. Some of our listeners have had questions about lately. Some dudes that are off to slow starts that maybe some struggles have been going on here early and maybe there should be some concern. One guy that we, I personally think we have to start with here is Chris Sell for the Boston Red Sox. Not good in his first outing. Diminished fastball velocity again in his second outing, but he worked his way through. I think he gave up one run and six, uh, and six innings, a solo shot to Matt Chapman, if I'm correct. What are some of the things you've seen early on from Chris Sell, and are you concerned at all for the Red Sox left-hander? Well, listen, I think, you know, there's two questions here. A, or the first one is, is he injured? And B, if he's not injured, what's going on? Um, <clears throat> I personally don't believe that he is injured. I don't think that the Red Sox would have extended him for five years uh, if he was injured, and I don't think they would have let him throw 80-plus pitches if he was injured. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is some cause for concern, uh, but if I'm trying to think about this logically uh, and trying to remove the, the biases of being an owner of Chris Sale and two out of my six fantasy teams, <laughs> then i got to think about it like this. Uh, he always loses his velocity at the end of the season, and it seems like the Red Sox really don't want that happening when it comes to September when they're probably playing meaningful baseball. In his last start, he threw more change-ups uh, as a percentage than he has since 2015. And that makes sense. If you're not going to be, you know, lighting up the radar gun with your heat, you're going to rely on your off speed. You're going to rely on your breaking pitches. And that makes sense. Now, is he the Chris Sale that we know and love? Definitely not. Did he still get a quality start? Yes. Uh, and that was good to see. I, I'm, I'm trying not to be too worried about it. And my final test for me personally is his next start is going to be the home opener in Fenway. If he's not sitting at least 92, 93, if he's not ramping up you know, as they, you know, they're, they're kind of saying, all right, he's saving his bullets. So, all right, I'm going to take him at, at their word. If I don't see 92, 93 in this first start at Fenway, then yeah, that, then there's something a, a little bit wrong there for sure. Yeah, I would agree. It's maybe too early to hit the full panic button, but my finger's getting close to it. I can certainly tell you that. Well, let's talk about one team that's definitely off to a bad start, and a big reason why is their pitching staff is the Chicago Cubs. They're 1-6 to start the year. They have a big three-game set going on this weekend against the Milwaukee Brewers, who are off to a 6-1 start. Obviously, it would be bad for the Cubs if they you know, lose 2-3 of three to the Milwaukee Brewers. 
But let's talk about the pitching staff because I have yet to see anything from Chicago that leaves me feeling good about them. What are your thoughts right now on the Chicago Cubs pitching staff? you got to figure that they have enough veterans and enough talented older arms that they're going to be able to figure it out. The good news is they're not like a, uh, they're not like the Indians who are having the inverse problem where they have elite pitching and their offense can't, offense can't pull it together. I think they're still hitting over 300 collectively as a team. They had that one shootout against the Rangers where they lost 11-10, I think. These guys are, are better than that. I mean, I'm not even the big, uh, the biggest uh, U Darvish fan to begin with. And last night's start, you know, definitely scared a lot of U Darvish owners in fantasy baseball. But they're going to pull it together. I think they're going to be fine. It's a little too early. I mean, every game counts, even if the Red Sox don't believe it, because they're willing to throw away a few of them at the beginning of the year by not having Chris Sale ramp up. But in a division like the NL Central, with really four competitive teams, and the Reds, and the Pirates, and the Brewers, and who's the one team that I'm forgetting over there in the uh, uh, in the, the Reds? There's always one. The, the Reds, the Pirates, the Brewers. And I think there's one, uh, the Cardinals, of yeah, course. So yeah. what am I talking about? All of those guys are competitive. So while I don't want to, like you know, like you said, hit the panic button too early, um, these are games that they're going to wish they had at the end of the month. And also keep in mind, it's weird. A lot of pitchers start the year; they start them in they start in colder climates, right? And the balls don't travel as far. The first couple starts for them. I think they went down to Atlanta. They were in Texas, and the ball was flying a little bit more. Maybe the pitchers weren't ready quite yet. I think they should be able to turn it around a little bit once they get into Milwaukee. Yeah, I'm curious to see what happens there. Obviously, the 1-6 and six start to the year could get worse if the Milwaukee Brewers beat up on their pitching staff this weekend. Who is one other guy or maybe a pitching staff that has surprised you with the bad start? We're going to talk about some good starts here in just a few moments, but who is one other pitcher or you know maybe even a full pitching staff that has surprised you and not living up to expectation just yet? Um, I don't know if he hasn't lived up to expectations, but I was a little bit surprised by James Paxton's kind of sluggish start. He went five and a third with four and runs. Uh, he still got two walks and nine Ks against a pretty you know, lethargic Orioles offense yesterday. I really thought after his first start where I think he gave up a three-home run in like the sixth, uh, three-run run, three run home run in the sixth inning, he was going to kind of turn it around in this last start for the Yankees. And um, I'm not, obviously, there's still plenty there. Other than that, it's, I don't know, you could name every single person on the Red Sox staff. <laughs> sure. I mean, it's not just Sale. There's Eovaldi, who's really, you know, doesn't look good. There's Erod, who had a terrible start last night. Um, so I'm, I'm a little bit concerned about what's going on with those guys. Yeah, I would agree as well. Um, the whole Red Sox staff, Eduardo Rodriguez, I think he got tagged for a three-run bomb yesterday. The A's jumped on him as well. He's off to one of the worst starts that I've seen so far this season. Um, let's move forward now with some guys that are having good starts of the year. Maybe some, Maybe a couple players that are surprising not just yourself, but the whole baseball world, who are a couple names that our listeners need to know about that not enough people are talking about that are off to great starts this year? I'm so glad you asked this question because I feel like when I'm tweeting, I try to, I try to focus on these guys because you're always going to hear about Thor. You're always going to hear about Steven Strasburg. So like, let's talk about the guys who are making big impacts so you're not going to hear every night. I mean, you, you, uh, you follow my Twitter. You know I, I'm obsessed with Matthew Boyd. Yeah. Um, and that's a guy that I think some people should be paying attention to. And believe it or not, he's not the only person on that Detroit Tigers staff that you should be paying attention to. Spencer Turnbull mm-hmm. had a fantastic start yesterday. 
and, and there's a lot. It was against the Royals, but you know he he had some really really good stuff. Um, he has this uh, this fastball that's got some cut to it. He's got this big curveball that really falls into the zone super well. This like kind of shockingly hard slider at a 29% swinging strike rate yesterday. Um, a lot of people watch this stuff, and I think we're thinking, well, some of this stuff is over the plate, you know. Other teams are going to punish that. And when things are over the plate, it doesn't necessarily mean that he made a bad pitch. It actually means he probably fooled the hitter. He was kind of working away from him. Next thing, he just goes, leaves something over the zone. The hitter has no idea what's coming. Yeah. And just, you know, next thing you know, it's a called strike looking. Well, I want to talk a little bit more in depth about Matt Boyd real quick because he used to be a running joke uh, between my friends and I. His, his second <laughs> – listen, his second start – as a major leaguer, uh, God, three years ago, I guess it was now, he was still with the Toronto Blue Jays. He was making his second start of his career against the Boston Red Sox. He gave up seven earned runs and didn't get a single out. And I was streaming all the Red Sox hitters in my daily fantasy lineup that day, and it was one of the best days I've ever had in daily fantasy that day <laughs> against Matt Boyd. So, And he just got crushed. His whole rookie season did not look good that year. Then he gets traded over to Detroit. And so... For me, for a long time, Matthew Boyd was a dude that I just would not touch. Wouldn't even consider having him him on my team because that particular game always stuck out in my mind. But then I start paying attention to pitcher list and what you guys are doing, and you're deep diving on some of the numbers and the analytics that were positive indicators saying, hey, this dude's going to strike a lot of people out, and he could have a good season. So kind of explain some of the indicators that make Matthew Boyd an attractive piece this year as far as a pitcher is concerned because he is off to a very good start. Yeah, that's a great point, and I love hearing that story because we've all had moments like that uh, where there's a pitcher who's been historically bad or you've watched one particularly bad start, and next thing you know, you've got sort of a recency bias yeah. against him. You say, I'm not going to stream that guy because I saw him once and he got absolutely shellacked. We do our very best at pitcher list to kind of make sure that if there is a, a string of success, there must be an underlying factor beneath it, and if there isn't, you shouldn't buy into it. The reason we were buying into Matthew Boyd is because he already had this this slider that was putting up absolutely elite numbers last year. He started doing it, I believe, in the second half of last year, uh, and it made us pay attention a little bit more. There's a, a statistic called PVAL that we might have talked about last week mm-hmm. that essentially measures the overall success of a pitch. Last year he had an 18.9 PVAL on his slider, which I believe was top five, certainly top ten last year. And you say to yourself, all right, he's got this one pitch. What else is he going to bring to the table? His four-seam wasn't doing too well. When the sliders started having good results, the four-seam, as a result, got a little bit better. But in spring training, we noticed that he was sitting 93 on his four-seamer as opposed to 91. Anytime you're going to get one or two extra ticks of velocity on a particular pitch, it's going to help you because hitters aren't familiar with that. It's also going to help you elevate that fastball a little bit higher, which then helps you drop that slider a little bit lower into the zone. That's kind of what we've seen in these first two starts. He's going 91, 92, 93 up in the zone, and then just burying the slider down and away, and hitters aren't staying away from him. He had 10 Ks in his first start. I thought he might have been rocked by the Yankees. You know, they they were a little bit hurt, so I'm still taking it with a grain of salt, but he had a new career high of 13 Ks. His next two starts are against weak offenses and the Indians and the Pirates. The Indians off to a real sluggish start, but I think for him, I still want to see one thing, and that's a third pitch, right? We've established the fastball there. We've established that the slider can put up elite numbers. He threw zero change-ups in that last start against the Yankees. On one hand, I'm like, cool, 
The fastball slider's working for you. Let it eat, my friend. Mm-hmm. But I want to see what happens when the slider's not there or the fastball's not there. Can he get that changeup? Can he get that curveball working a little bit? And if he does, then, then the sky's the limit for him, which you're right. It's crazy to hear. Yeah, it really is, because for so long, Matthew Bo- Matt Boyd was a running joke between my friends and I, and now I've actually added him in a couple leagues because of your analysis. <laughs> and guess what? He struck out 13 the other night. He was flat out dirty. And so, again, pitcher list is making me a better fantasy player. My forever, I am forever grateful for that. I want to talk about a team real quick that's near and dear to everybody's heart around here. We're in Treeport, Louisiana. Dallas is just, you know, two and a half, three hours away from us. And it's the Texas Rangers. They're all to a five and two start. But. Coming into the season, I was very skeptical. They kind of put together a makeshift rotation. Mike Miner, Edison Volquez, um, you know, Lance Lynn, who's coming off the, the injury last season. He's going to be on the hill tonight. What do you think about this Rangers pitching staff? Drew Smiley looks pretty good in his first outing. Is this sustainable? I, I mean, they've pitched okay. They haven't pitched great, but they did have a shutout the other night. What are your thoughts on the Texas Rangers pitching staff? Can they be at least adequate? Yeah, you know, it, it's very it's very funny that you say that because in the offseason, Nick and I were doing a review of all the rotations and all the pieces that had come together for the different rotations. And I actually loved what the Rangers did. And I wish they, my, my team, the team I support, the Baltimore Orioles, did a little bit more of it. And kind of what they did is they took a lot of flyers on guys. I mean, I can't say they took a flyer on Lynn because they paid him a little bit more uh, than I thought Lance Lynn was going to get. But I love that they have Drew Smiley. I love that they have Shelby Miller. I love that they have Mike Miner. Edinson Volquez, I mean, I don't think he had the best start last night, but we're talking about guys who could turn into great trade chips for them if they do start competing. I mean, I I believe that the offense is there. I loved the Escrubal Cabrera signing, and and it's already paid off. I I have him in a few leagues, and he's just off to a great start, and we saw that great Joey Gallo tater uh, yesterday. The only person who's still kind of struggling, and I guess this kind of makes sense, is Rugnit Odor, but he should still be able to turn it on. I think the the biggest weakness right now for me personally regarding that team is still going to be their bullpen. I'm sure you were kind of kicking things in that 11-10 win. That was kind of a seesaw back and forth because of that bullpen. But in terms of that rotation, like you said, I believe in Miner. I believe in some of the things that happened with him in the second half of last season. I think his velocity was heading in the right direction. Um, Nick was always saying, like, okay, if if by May – he turns it around. I'm interested in Mike Miner. He still kind of sucked in May, but when June, July came along, he was looking really good. So do I think they're going to be able to compete with the Houston Astros in that division? Probably not. Could they win a few more games than people expect? Certainly. And could that rotation bring them some really interesting trade ships come August? I very much think so. Yeah, it'll be real interesting to see. If the Rangers are competitive around the trade deadline, are they willing to sell those pieces? Or will they be buyers to try and run the Astros down? The Rangers could, if everything you know continues the way it is now, be ahead of schedule and might put themselves in a very precarious situation around the trade deadline, especially if they keep hitting the ball the way that they have. Um, and, and real quick, one final question. You mentioned Rugnet Odor. He's my second baseman in a lot of leagues. I felt like I was getting pretty decent value on him. He was scalding hot in the second half of last year. Uh, I, I mean, I'm just guessing and it's going to be a slow start this year, and then he'll pick up the pace as the year progresses, kind of like he's done the last two years. I should just hold on to Rugnet, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm in the same boat as you, so I definitely speak from the heart that I say that you just kind of got to hold on. I mean, there's not too – I mean, like, 
if Yohan Mankata is available on the wire, sure. I don't know why he would be. He's like a good stopgap because he's just been absolutely hitting the cover off the ball and he's been making some exciting changes. So I don't think you would drop him. But if you could find someone that you could stream for the next couple of weeks, keep Rognet Odor on the bench a little bit uh, until he kind of figures it out, then I think he should be good to go. But no, I wouldn't I wouldn't cut bait quite yet. Yeah, that's where I'm at on it as well. I'm just going to... It's going to suck it up and hold him because I think he struck out three times last night. It sucks whenever yeah. you look and you're like, all right, the Rangers are scoring 11 runs tonight. And then you go check and it's like, oh, Rugnad's 0 for 5. You're hoping he you know, at least gets involved in the action a little bit. But it has been a slow start to the year for him so far. Who's one hitter out there that's impressed you to this point? Oh, man, that is such a good question. Um, I think Colton Wong is off to a really impressive start. Yeah. Um, it's been a lot of fun watching him. There's been some power there, which I'd really love to see. Tim Beckham is fun to start, but I don't necessarily think it's going to be lasting. I would probably say uh, Domingo Santana. He clubbed his fourth home run today against the White Sox a few hours ago. I think he's hitting, like, pretty sure it's still over 300 at this point. Um, yeah, he's hitting 333 with a 500 OBP and a 1.3 slugging over the course of the season. That's obviously going to come back down to earth a little bit. But I don't really think I would be surprised at all if Domingo Santana ended the year hitting 280 with, you know, like 23, 24 home runs. I, I don't think, think I'd be too shocked by that. I, I know. I think he can get to 30. I know it sounds crazy. They're hitting him in the three spot. He seems like he's going to play mm-hmm. every single night. He homered again today. He's up to four on the season. Uh, I think he get, could get to 30. I think, honestly, I think he could be the most improved player in baseball this year simply because he's getting the playing time. Is that is that crazy? No, I don't think it's crazy at all. I don't know if he, he I don't know if he's going to be able to hit 30, but I I, I, I agree with you on everything else. I mean, I, I just think that he's. You're right. He has the playing time in Seattle. There, I think they started him hitting sixth, and then you're right. right they believe in him, so they moved him up in that lineup. And I, you're right. I think he's going to be able to make some nice strides this year and surprise a lot of people. Uh, let's have some fun and uh, throw some crazy questions out here at the end. Of these teams, the Astros, Cubs, Red Sox, Yankees, and um, uh, let's think. Let's throw one more in there. Somebody else is off to a slow. Which one of the teams that everybody expected to have a big year, we'll throw the Indians in there as well, are you the most concerned with at this point? I think it's the Chicago Cubs for me out of that group. Um, yeah, I think I would go... I think I would go with the Indians. I'm a little bit concerned about what's going on with that offense there. Jose Ramirez is scaring me a little bit. I know when Francisco Lindor should be able to, comes back, they should be able to pick it up a little bit. But I think people are kind of underestimating the Twins, and the Twins might be able to put a nice little gap between them and the Indians by the time they get pretty healthy. Yeah, it, it makes sense. We've seen them. God, they've gotten shut out a couple times. They're scoring like one run a night. Ooh, and that brings mm-hmm. me to a perfect question. How do you... How did you feel? We've seen it happen two times already this season where guys with no hitters have been yanked from games. Last night it was Trevor Bauer, seven innings, no-hit baseball. I think he was at 117 pitches whenever they pulled him out of the game. First off, what is your thought on pitchers being pulled with no hitters? Um, Listen, they've got a long season ahead of them. Trevor Bauer is a Cy Young candidate. Uh, the game is already in hands. I believe they're already winning four to nothing. Maybe yeah. it might have been even. Yeah. So at that point, at 117 pitches, I am absolutely okay with it. I believe David Hess, uh, the Oriole, was the other mm-hmm. uh, no hitter. That one, I think you could have left him in a little bit longer. The Orioles aren't necessarily playing for uh, for much. It was still a pretty close game. As a matter of fact, the Blue Jays almost came back and won that game. Um, so that one I was a little bit upset about with a guy like Trevor Bauer, though. He already had six walks on the night, too. 
So I, I, I love it, and it would be so fun to see a uh, a, uh, a no-hitter. But for a team like the Indians, you're going to need him down the line. That was kind of my thoughts as well. It feels like if you know Trevor Bauer's career continues on its trajectory, that he's going to have a chance to throw another no-hitter. Now with Hess, I don't know that that's quite the case. Obviously, he's off to a hell of a start this year. But he was at only 82 pitches. And like you mentioned, the Orioles aren't playing for much. It would have been a great storyline for them if he throws a no-hitter. If he's the first player this season to throw a no-hitter, it's a Baltimore Oriole. Yeah. Nobody would have expected that. So I would have liked to see him out there uh, just a little bit longer as well. Um, let's see. got a couple more minutes here, and we're going to let you get out. I know you've got some, some uh, work to get to. What's something you're looking forward to tonight? Uh, you know, maybe a pitcher or you know, a, a matchup or something that you're looking to on tonight's slate. Oh man, uh, that is a really good question. Well, I'll, I'll ask you. Watching... I'll ask you one specifically for myself. Then I picked up Colin McHugh to stream him today, um, in a couple mm-hmm. of my leagues. Where, where are you at on Colin McHugh? Was it a bad idea? You know, is it worth looking into? Oh, I think that's a great idea. He was throwing a heck of a lot of sliders against the Rays, and I, I was excited to see that. And he had a lot of swing and miss stuff. He ran into some trouble in the fifth inning in his first start, but he was looking really good. He should be able to take advantage of an Athletics offense that. Um, isn't bad by any stretch of the imagination. Sure. I love Matt Chapman. Chris Davis is fantastic, but they're not necessarily elite, especially at that bottom half. I think you might have just hit the nail on the head, too, because going against him is Frankie Montas, mm-hmm. uh, and he's really exciting to watch. It looks like he's got a new splitter, I believe, that he's working on. Um, so that that could be a very fun matchup. But in terms of a stream, no. I mean, I, you might be able to hold on to Colin McHugh for the rest of the year. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking as well. I dropped... Uh... Well, I'll, I'll tell you what I did. So I, I, I love having one spot on all of my teams where I can add drop, right? I just I feel like I yeah, need totally. that spot. And I drafted some really so- strong teams to start the year out. So I'm like, ah, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know who I'm going to drop. And I dropped David Robertson. Uh, horrible his first two outings. I'm just wondering if maybe Sir Anthony Dominguez will you know not get some more opportunity moving forward. So I said, you know what? I got two other strong closers. You're out, David Robertson. Um, picked up Jorge Soler for yesterday. He went two for four. That was a good look. And then I dropped Soler and have picked up Colin McHugh to try and make a run at it. So, you know, I, that's that's what I'm working with today at least. Are you in a saves hold league or just saves? Just th- this one in particular is just saves. I'm in seven different leagues, so I've got a little Love bit it. of everything. I have, uh, I have, Love it. I have my two hundred dollar, you know, friends league. It's a seventeen category league, which holds is not one of them. Shocker. Um, seventeen category league. There we have. I have a keeper league that I play in, an auction league, a twenty team league, a rotisserie league. I I try oh. to make sure that I'm getting a little bit of everything out of baseball season. They all kind of range in that hundred to hundred or two hundred dollar range so um yeah man i'm a fantasy baseball nerd just like you guys <laughs> i love it i absolutely love it and no, to answer your question i don't think it was a bad move at all i wrote an article a little while ago about why i believe that we were drafting saves wrong mm-hmm. and uh david robertson to me was the, was the prime example of why i thought we were because that's going to be a, a rotating closing a closer carousel between him and sir anthony dominguez and hector naris is going to get some so when a guy like that is going to blow a save opportunity, Gabe Kapler's immediately going to give the opportunity to the hot hand. So I have absolutely no problem doing that whatsoever. Last year, more relievers got at least one save than at any other time in the history of the sport. So it, it, the way that we are approaching saves is absolutely changing, and I don't think the fantasy community is doing enough good, doing a good enough job adapting with it. 
So I love that move. I think it's a great move. Well, cool. Uh, it's always good to get some validation and know that I'm doing the right things. It's uh, I'm off to a pretty good fantasy start, so we'll try and keep that thing going. And part of the reason I'm off to such a good start is because of Alex Fast of PitcherList.com. You can follow him at AlexFast8 on Twitter. And please, if you're a fantasy or if you're just a baseball fan in general, you have to check out what's going on at PitcherList.com. Alex, we appreciate your time, man. It was a lot of fun. Hey, thanks so much, man. I had a blast as usual. I appreciate you. Definitely. We'll try and catch up with you again next week. Alex Fast of PitcherList.com. We'll take a break. When we come back, we're going to have Ben Carlisle of Bleed Tech Blue talking some Louisiana Tech baseball. Well, that worked out. Hey, great stuff, man. Hey, man. 